0: Hello and welcome to the podcast of the Lotus Eaters episode 752 for today, the 29th of September 2023. I am joined finally by popular request as a trio by Harry and Josh. Hello there. Hello. And it's quite the show to pick to do this one because we're going to be kicking off today by talking about the GB News controversy, just as we've got news that Calvin Robinson has also been suspended. So we've got plenty to talk through there the great purge
1: is ongoing yes we're also
0: talking about you're doing the chris caber thing aren't you
1: yes talking about met police disarming and the military possibly coming in and at the same time also i I, i've not included this but there's been a stabbing in croydon so oh delightful that's that's fun all
0: the things that should have been covered by the mainstream media rather than circling the wagon and then just lastly we're going to learn about how it's okay to help foreigners if you're black apparently thanks thanks bbc before we kick off we've got the gold tier zoom call we're moving it up this month to three o'clock UK time, hopefully to give a bit more wiggle room to see a couple of more people, but also because it's much easier on the tech guys, so they can go home at five o'clock. If you aren't already subscribed to the website, remember code Sargon is currently happening. so You can get first, first half price off your first three months membership, and you can get in in time and, and say
1: hello to us. But there he is. Yes, wonderful. So i gone with an e at the end, and please process your order through Stripe and not Subscribestar. Yes. All right. Well,
0: let's jump into it then. So, I suppose most people in the audience are aware that Lawrence Fox has now been suspended by GB News. And I say suspended today, the results of the investigation are going to happen. And as he has already said in a video that I'm going to bring up later, this is meaning that he's going to be sacked. Let's be honest, as we both know, anytime they say, we're going to have a debate, we're going to have an investigation, what it means is the conclusion is already foregone and just the process is the punishment. The same thing is happening to Dan Wooten. He has been suspended. He's been sacked from the Daily Mail. And now Calvin Robinson, friend of the show, who was just in yesterday recording a fantastic bit of content, has also been suspended for supporting his colleagues. There are absolutely going to be other people on this list. And I'm going to run through exactly the reasons why this is happening and then open it up to the floor for all of us to discuss how GB News seems to be committing suicide to seek the approval of people that since day one have had it out for them and their advertisers and sooner see them dead in the street than accept an apology. And it's just very, very frustrating. And I've ended up in the middle of this myself and it's just very annoying. Um, This is without further ado, something that you can subscribe to our website for, for as little as £5 a month, or £2.50 at the moment, I believe, if you use code Sargon because we're doing a half-price membership deal, Uh, we won't be censoring our hosts or holding back. And this is something that some people, unfortunately, who are currently governing GB News, I'm sure that they're trying to do their best, but they could probably learn to do better, should learn about, and that is the friend-enemy distinction. You have people who are always going to be against your way of life. It is not about principles it is not about rudeness it is not about decorum it is about whether or not they would sooner see your vision of the future extinguished and theirs put in its place you can't negotiate with these people and both josh and harry for josh's series contemplations had a really constructive dialogue about this so i recommend people go and give it a watch right let's give a brief overview as what's happened so it all started here as from david atherton's been gracious enough to tweet out the clip this was bbt politics live which they do pretty much every day, about midday. And they Jeff Norcott on, who's actually gonna be coming in soon and talking to Josh about his book, very gracious for him to come on the network. Jeff is a very centrist, tepid comedian who just decided to say, hey, look, men are having problems. Male suicide is an issue. I think we should have a minister for men. I've spoken to Nick Fletcher about this, who wants to do this. He's, again, a very tepid, centrist type who trains people, young boys, to be electrical engineers. So he's actually got practical hands-on experience in in providing boys a, a vocation. So that's positive. Jeff just went, this is a reasonable request. And Ava Evans, Ava Santina, someone that I've had interactions with in the past, and we'll see that soon, decided to dismiss this out of hand and mire the conversation in, well, actually, women are most effective. So if we can just play the clip, full context. What's interesting about... Conservative MP, new role would champion
2: issues such as reducing male suicide. Mm. Would that be something you'd be in favour of? Well, what's interesting about that is the hostility it sometimes faces whenever it comes up. I saw a programme where there was like a feminist academic and a Lib Dem MP, and they were so hostile to this idea. And I thought, if you would, if you flipped those things, i.e. That it's the, the biggest cause of death for men under 50 is suicide. Men are less likely to go to the doctors. You know, men, men are less likely to maintain friendships. If that was for women, we'd have to look at, well, why is society making that happen? Where Whereas with men, the argument is often why are they doing that to themselves?
1: So I, I, I'm not
2: like totally wedded to the idea, but the hostility towards the idea, I find it, it instructive. Ava? I think that it feeds into the culture a little bit, this Minister for Men argument. like In my mind, I think there should be a Minister for Mental Health, which would be all encompassing. I mean, you've got something like seven million children waiting for prescriptions for mental health at the moment. It's a crisis that's endemic throughout the country, not specific to men. And I think, you know, a lot of ministers kind of bandy this about to sort of, I'm sorry, but make an enemy out of women, I think. Not you, and I don't think your book is. I don't don't, don't accept that. I don't think it is to make an enemy. If we looked at during COVID, men were literally more likely to die... Um, from COVID, and I don't really want to cast myself as, as a meninist or one of these guys from sure. the, the manosphere, because that's not who I am. But I do find it interesting that sometimes the arguments tend to throw it But back who was doing all on... the work during COVID? You know, a lot of the time, if you looked into people's households, it was the women who were taking on the laundry, the school, uh, the school care, all but, that but, but, like doing doing of that. I'm not disputing any of that. What I'm saying is that there are specific issues that men face that might warrant specific attention. I mean, literally the biggest killer of, of men under 50 is suicide. That is an arresting statistic. And if that doesn't warrant specific attention, mental health is an umbrella issue. I have to say that is also because women are unsuccessful. That is a lot of... that is feeds into that statistic. But if it feels like... It just doesn't feel like you've got any space for this idea that men might have unique challenges that face them and the problem is even as i'm saying this in my mind it's like i've got out the violin Mm. and i don't want to be i don't want to be i don't want to be this guy because that's part of the problem is because you're encouraged on one level is men need to talk about their problems more and then the moment you do it you're like all right but not 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 quite (laughs) so often and not quite so loud so so uh, like you say the book is not the book is more light-hearted than that but it certainly you know goes around the.
0: so i want to say The original pretext for Lawrence's segment, which is coming up in a second, was that Ava was smirking at male suicide. I don't think that's a fair characterization. She was just having a pleasant conversation with Jeff, but she was not being an honest actor. And she is not an honest actor, and she has contempt for men. And I think I'm justified in saying that with the later clip. But it is clear by obfuscating the issue, by saying we don't need a minister for men, we just need a minister for mental health, it is because she is opposed to the idea that men would also have a minister on par with the women and equalities minister. I think that's a fair assessment. I was personally amazed that he
3: introduced the topic of male suicide by saying people don't take it seriously, people bring up other things, and then immediately Mm. she she went on to say, well, women did the housework in the pandemic.
1: Yeah, and has nothing to do
3: within about 30 seconds to a minute.
1: And also- She's oh, proven him completely right. Also, there's just the tendency with women like Ava is that Jeff says, independently as its own point, men have problems. Why don't we do something to tackle those problems? She turns around and the only thing that she can conceptualize is, well, women have problems. Yes, This is not the discussion that is being had right here.
0: And it's also her only rejoinder is, well, the only reason the suicide statistic is more pronounced among men is because they're more successful. It's... That, that means nothing. That just means more men are dying and this means that we need to address the issue. That doesn't take away the issue. It's just that you have a problem with men. and I think I'm well within my rights to say that, as we'll say later. I think it's kind of sickening that this issue is, as he says, you know, the
3: number one killer for men under 50. And it's just a, a stepping stone for people to shoehorn in their own agendas rather than an issue in and of itself. Someone, if the shoe was on the other foot, and someone said, yeah, suicide is the number one killer for women, I'd be like, that's terrible. What can we do about that?
0: Exactly, yeah. And And it's
3: not like a a gender war thing to say that,
0: yeah, there are people who
3: are being neglected by the attention of society.
0: But you would say that only if you actually cared about solving the problem rather than stoking said gender war, because she said that she stokes a culture war and kicks up hate against women. It's like, no, you want to be in the privileged position to hate men without repercussions.
1: Well, it's a consistent problem that's been going back years and years. Whenever anybody brings up any kind of, uh, systemic issues on men's side where like you say we have the higher rates of suicide uh, when people have tried to bring that up we had the issue i forget who who brought it up there was the infamous issue uh, incident where Jess Phillips philip davies you're referring to. yeah philip davies brought it up and jess phillips just laughed the idea off off hand so Women like Ava, they want to insist that men are stoking culture war issues, that people outside of her frame of reference are starting all of this without realizing that she is feeding into the very problem, which she considers to be stoking these flames in the first place. Yes. And so
0: there was was a a brief update after the show. Jeff made the point of saying, I thought I was being reasonable, and then everyone dogpiles on you. Ava responded, and she said, I was a little rash on my anti-minister for men comments, which I regret, and I'm very interested in a brief for young men's mental health. So again, containing it only in the mental health sphere but not on men's issues because she realises that currently with a unilateral minister for women but not for men, women maintain a position of privilege with the feminist narrative which she buys into.
1: I I, I just want to say as well, I'd be interested to see what the actual solutions put forward by a minister for men would look like because men and women deal with problems so differently. It wouldn't just be a case where men don't take well. As he was struggling there, Men don't take well to the idea of being coddled. Yes, and so it would have to be something very fr- uh, first foot forward, very proactive, very active for men to do to be able to this solve is, the problem. This is Nick Fletcher's idea:
0: is creating vocations for men, like he has with electrical engineering. But I would assume that Ava would probably agree with Kate Moran's statement, AKA. Boys are killing themselves, and they need feminism and emotional expression to be more like women, which is not the solution. But I'm just going to move forward because we've got a lot to get through. So this was the crux of it. Ava decided to tweet out a clip where Lawrence Fox, who has had men that he's friends with, multiple of them, kill themselves via suicide. He took offense to this. He went on GB News, was asked what he thought about it, and he said some fairly crass comments. Lawrence himself has admitted this since. I came out and characterized it as that. And I've spoken to Lawrence and he says that's a completely fair assessment of this. So we're just gonna listen to what he said that caused this total storm.
1: We're past the watershed, so I can say this. Um, Show me a single self-respecting man that would like to climb into bed with that woman ever, ever who wasn't an incel, who wasn't a cucked little incel. That little woman has been fed, spoon-fed oppression
3: day after day after day after day, starting with the lie of the gender uh, uh, wage gap. And she sat there and I'm going like, if I met you in a bar and that was like
1: sentence three, chances of me just walking away are just huge. We need powerful, strong, amazing women who make great points for themselves. We don't need these sort of feminist 4.0. They're pathetic and embarrassing. Who'd want to shag that? Oh, Lawrence. Well, look, she... (laughs) Right.
0: Even if you agree with what Lawrence has said there, he did not put it across in a way which is going to convince people. He didn't need the insults. He was perfectly right in saying that we need strong and interesting women to give their perspectives, but we don't need Ava as some sort of token person to fill an Ofcom compliance role to say basically nothing. That is a totally fair assessment, but the whole shagging comment didn't do him any favors.
1: It was crass and unnecessary and was only ever going to gin up some kind of controversy. I don't know why exactly Lawrence said it, but it seemed to just be something completely off the cuff that he thought would be funny and there is a time and a place for such things, and especially when GB News has been as critically hounded as it has by opposition news broadcasters ever since it started. You know you've got to be a bit smarter about these things. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You're, you're under the eye of Sauron Also, all time. Thank you. So I think that
3: the main issue with this is that he's giving ammunition to people who want to see him, himself and GB News destroyed and it wasn't a good tactical thing. But I think that people should be able to say whatever they want as long as it's not libelous, you know, I agree. within the limits of the law. So I don't think that anyone should, you know, be suspended or, or and there's even th- come a- into the, the firing line for things that they've said. Unless, of course, it's either a criminal thing in, in the, the sense of, you know, it's not being called a hate crime or what have you. It, it's actually them either defaming someone, libeling someone, something like or that. Or
0: calling for violence, which he yeah. has not done. And... Despite this, GB News decided to say, comments made tonight, this was on Tuesday, on GB News by Lawrence Fox were totally unacceptable. What he said does not reflect our values, and we apologize unreservedly for the comments and the offense that they have caused. We've launched an investigation. We'll be apologizing to the individual involved. They do not want your apology. They want blood. They have had it out for you since day one. These were the advertiser boycotts. This is why they call you GBBs. They do not want your apology. They want you dead. This was a mistake. And this is going to cost me bookings, 100%. I know that there are still people in the network who have condemned Lawrence from the off who are happy with the fact that he is gone because they think that it will salvage the station and their reputation. And you know what? I just think that's cowardice. Well,
1: you have a lot more experience of the inner workings of these yeah. things than either of us do. Because and I like the going one, there.
0: But, I'm just going to declare it. Yep,
1: you've been the one that's booked. But... There has, uh, not not specifically from you or anyone, but there has been mentioned that the sorts of people that can end up behind the scenes in these broadcasters are not the sorts of people that are on our side, not so to speak. Not. They're not the sorts of people who want to be able to promote, if you want to go on about the culture war, our side or our perspective on that thing. They are careerist broadcasters who've come straight out of university, have absorbed all of the propaganda that you get if you go through a liberal university course on media or or presenting or anything like that. And so they will try and put those presuppositions into the broadcasting whenever they whenever they can.
0: Yeah, and this is just the consequence. And you'll know this because you did a media degree of hiring people fresh out of uni because they're cheap. You've got oh, to yes. get, keep better. And But this was at the executive level as well. The executives, I think, were just worried about drawing too much fire from Ofcom after... Dame Caroline Dinenage, about a week or so ago, sent a letter to GB News insinuating she was going to get Ofcom involved off the back of the passing of the online safety bill, which isn't in law yet, but is looming over everyone's heads, including ours, to persecute Bev Turner for saying that Russell Brand should have his day in court before he is persecuted and has his entire livelihood cancelled. That is unacceptable. GB News decided to get behind Bev Turner and the government backed off because they realized it was such overreach. Now, this is just the next excuse. This is the pretext for what they've always wanted to do, which is destroy you. Now, they might say this isn't in line with our values. Fair enough, if you think what Lawrence said is offensive. Turns out um, it's in line with Ava's because she's been using the uh, I wouldn't shag you pejorative for ages on Twitter, just at random people. So it's okay for her to do it. Got it. Okay. All right. That's fine. I guess that's just how it works now. Um, So Lawrence came out and just doubled down and just said, don't don't shag hot boring mindless blonde 26th wave feminists that way misery lives every human life is sacred all lives matter uh, again I would probably agree with his misses and just saying just walk away at that point but that is Lawrence's brand and they hired him knowing that he was a verbal loose cannon he is a firebrand and that's why he has an audience so GB News trying to hem Lawrence Fox in for inflammatory rhetoric is probably not going to work he also doubled down again I'm not going to read all of that because just it's extensive and then they have announced that they have suspended him. We'll be apologizing to Miss Evans today. So Lewis Brackpool was on earlier in the week, and I did ask him, how did you feel being the last of a guest on the Lawrence Fox show? Because we knew how this this Mm. investigation was going to come. He's not going to have his show anymore. Fantastic. Um, Lawrence has since come out and announced he has an apology. Um, He has apologized for the way in which he said it, but he does not retract anything that he said because he knows that Ava has utter contempt for men. And that he knows that the apology will land on deaf ears anyway, and he does not appreciate GB News sacking him and persecuting other presenters for coming to his defense. And all that's happened here is that GB News has lost a sizable amount of its audience who are going to follow Lawrence off the platform, which is frustrating because I don't want there to be a civil war at GB News when, up until this point, they've been basically the only network brave enough to platform dissidents, particularly like Neil Oliver and our friend Calvin Robinson. And me, I get books on very few other stations unless, unless it's to be cannibalized. And unlike quite a lot of people that go on these stations, I don't just take whatever bookings to say whatever I like. Because I'm not going to swear. Careerist grifter. I know there's lots of people that do that, actually. What I hope is the ability to go on and spread the kind of ideas that we talk about on Lotus Seaters to try and reconstitute the culture to a wider audience. And it seems that window of opportunity is rapidly narrowing because they're placating to people that want to see them destroyed. It's very frustrating. So then Dan Wooden decided to come out and apologize. Silly move from Dan. Now, for context, Dan's been under a lot of pressure recently because the Byline Times have ran what I would describe as until you can prove the allegations in a court of law, a possibly defamatory piece accusing him of sexual impropriety. So he has not addressed these claims on air, other than to say, I reject them. Lawrence Fox has said in his prior video for Reclaim the Media that he has been counselling Dan as a friend and offered him free legal services via the Bad Law Project the entire time. And Dan has come out and said that Lawrence was in the wrong and he's tried to say that I was just smiling out of shock. Dan, this wasn't the way to go about it. I understand you were trying to salvage your position, but again, they were always going to come for you. He apologized twice. And since, Ava's friends, now Ava actually liked this, have come out and said, oh, it doesn't matter if you've apologized. You personify the worst of men. You're trying to cater to a crowd that will never accept it. And so, Dan gets suspended as well. Dan gets suspended for just not challenging Lawrence on an offensive comment. It's offensive to the person, not to everyone, not to the women coming out and defend, uh, defending Lawrence. He's been cancelled for doing that once in his thousands of hours of airtime, despite doing lots of other excellent journalistic work. No matter how you feel about Dan, whether you watch a show or not, this is egregious and wrong, but it's also why you don't apologise. And then totally unrelated, Mail Online terminates Dan's column. Wasn't on their platform. This is just total persecution of the hosts for being dissenters. This is unreasonable. So then Rival Station, speaking of talk TV, Piers Morgan comes out and defends Ava. Ava is a very talented journalist and a delightful person. Fox is a disgusting, misogynist piece of trash. Piers, you're a bloody liar. You know she's not a delightful person. You know that you only have her on to hit your offcom quota. You employ her with with you are fees every time to come on and give a brain dead leftist take. And it means that all of your outrage anytime she says something is incredibly performative and you're a disingenuous hack. Do you know why I know that? Because I sat next to her when she practically accused me and my friends of being rapists in waiting for saying, oh, maybe you shouldn't be allowed to use false rape allegations to scare men. Disgusting. You've made loads of money off of that clip on YouTube, monetizing it with a sensationalist headline, which she then says, I'm defaming her for using the same framing that you've used. It's been up for over a year. So funnily enough, the people that are getting cancelled on GB News right now, they're the sincere ones. Everyone dogpiling for their own ratings and their own respectability are just hacks. And I think it's disgusting. For anyone that doesn't know the context of this, anyone that hasn't seen this, I'll just play a brief version of it that someone's cut together, just so I'm I'm not as Ava was accused, misrepresenting what she said. But Ava, your point about, you know, if, if men were that alpha, then they wouldn't be that bothered by this doesn't really help us when it comes to boys growing up. And mm-hmm. that is one of my worries, that for teenage boys now, they are so terrified
2: of the uh, consequences of putting a foot out of line. Mm. It was hard enough being a young teenager, working out how things are, working out how to do dating and all of that, without the terror that if you touch... In the wrong place at the wrong time, you may find that your whole life is destroyed. See, see, I and like that is like far terror. too much.
0: Well, I, I, I like that. As a I mother think that of a teenage boy, frightened. I don't really? like it. Really? That's the terrible. most delicious thing I've ever heard. That is I awful. think that men should be frightened
2: I think to you touch you in a way if you they're were, not comfortable if you with. But we're talking about yeah, but teenagers, but We're not talking, about, not talking, we're talking about, about We're talking yeah, about yeah, it's young an interesting thing that you... Boys are all terrified. I know that from talking to my son. He's just like, I'm just not going there. Is that healthy? Yes, I think it is, actually. I think it's better to not have a physical relationship than to have one that could ruin a woman's life.
1: But then how do they ever start?
2: Well, don't. If you're not 100% don't. sure, what are we going? We're going to have a
1: bunch of Newton Celebrate.
2: boys
0: who never have. So we actually it's do have that. Like... Gen Z is having far less sexual relationships yes, than any. Ever they are. It's true. And young people on, have stopped having sex. I agree with the first part of your sentence. Actually, if you're not willing to have a sexual relationship with clearly defined lines, don't have one. And so I actually told my my mates at university, don't sleep around with girls. One, girls don't bring a guy home that you don't know what he's capable of. Two, guys don't bring a girl home if you think that possibly she could have a false accusation against you.
2: Can I make another point here? Which Which I find, I mean, look, that sentence
0: to me, when I was your age, right? How old are you? Uh, 23. 23. When I was your age, the idea you would even have that sort of thought process. Yeah, I wouldn't have those sort of
2: mates that would ever cross the line. So I wouldn't have to have that conversation with any of my friends. Don't
0: don't throw my mates in with a bunch of violent people. And is there a a certain. Now, she well knows what she did there, especially with the the giggling and the smirking and. uh... She suffered no career repercussions for that. There wasn't a single Ofcom complaint, as far as I know, that went anywhere with it. And the same network keeps booking her over and over just to capitalise on clickbait whenever she says something outrageous. But Lawrence Fox gets repercussions for basically saying he doesn't find her attractive. Yeah, again, rude. I wouldn't have said it. Not very convincing. But that is egregious. And that creates a climate that petrifies men with false criminal accusations. She can have a career. Doesn't seem right to me, but 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 there you go. Well, I mean, if
1: I if you don't mind me commenting, that smirk that she put on while you interrupted and made your point there, uh, to me was like you say, completely egregious, vile and disgusting because it indicates either one of two things: one that she was amused that you would even feel the need and have the ability to stand up for yourself in the first place, a kind of uh, minor indication of why do you even care, bro, or the fact that what you were saying was that young men, Gen Z aren't having sex anywhere near as much as the previous generations did in the first place. Uh, possibly, and this is my interpretation of it, a smug smile at the idea that you, like, like she said, we often get t- insults from people like Ava, who always call people incels, the smug smirk at the laugh at the idea of her, what a little baby virgin incel kind of, per, uh, kind of person. Because whether or not she says those things, there is still a lot of social capital put into the idea that a man has the ability to attract women. And being able to sleep with women is a great indicator that you're an attractive man to other women. And so therefore, she's laughing at the idea either that you're standing up for yourself in the first place, which of course you're going to, or she's kind of being hypocritical and laughing at the idea of, I don't want men to have any kind of comfort in trying to approach women, but I will still judge those men at the same time for not having been able to succeed with women in the past anyway. It's a catch-22 for any young man, and this is the situation that you're talking about, why it's so toxic for young men on the dating scene.
0: Yeah, and I I, I don't know her personal circumstances, but what I do know is that whatever personal hang-ups she has around men, dating, gender, and that, That is a cultural contaminant that will seep out and continue to petrify men and stop and make women unhappy as well. Because lots of women have said, I'm not getting the relationships I want. I'm not being approached and I'm very lonely as well. So she is doing women a disservice too. So anytime that she purports to be on women's side as well, it's just a lie. And I'm going to say, I don't understand how this person is allowed a career beyond the fact that it is Ofcom mandated for her to be on panels to provide balance, basically stymie any kind of constructive debate when she says things like that, whereas Lawrence Fox is just a bit rude. But I do know that, again, you shouldn't apologize because they will always have it out for you. Because here's Dawn Butler, sitting MP, who says, Ava, I'm sorry you've been put through this. GB News should be shut down. It's pure trash. Again, sitting MP, member of the opposition, who supports the online safety bill, decided to say that entire TV networks should be shut down for one host's crass comment. It is a war on dissent. I also suggested that maybe if Dawn Butler wanted to be effective, she could write a strongly worded letter like the one that she forged from being President Obama in her support. So clearly a very intelligent and honest person there. Then, uh, oh, you- Sorry,
1: all of this coming immediately after the online harms bill or safety bill is finally passed as well is very it, it, suspicious. It's, it's, it's indicative that's what happened is that they know that well, as soon as that comes into actual effective power in the law and the courts, that this is what everybody who's a dissenter is going to get. This is the treatment that they're all going to get. This is all guns blazing as a warning, a knowledge of what's coming to you.
0: Yeah, this will, this will be us in a year. I'm telling you now, this will be us in a year's time. And that's why, genuinely, we're thankful that every single person that stuck by us and supported us will be sticking by the people that have been persecuted in this. Again, I've spoken to Calvin today. It's egregious what's going on right now. And we are up against such titanic forces because other mainstream media outlets, not just the politicians, have a vested interest in making this the prime story when, as you said before the segment started, there are other stories going on, like the uh, invasion of the Italian island, like that 15-year-old girl that's been stabbed, things that are actually affecting people. But instead, this is a way to, to conduct a coordinated smear on their opposition. Ava went on to Good Morning Britain the other morning, um, and they were questioning, not the Lawrence Fox affair specifically, but should Conservative MPs, sitting members of the government, have Uh, shows on this channel. So they haven't done anything wrong. Again, I don't think sitting MPs should have TV shows, actually. I'm just going to say, because I think that's a conflict of interest. It's basically a party political broadcast. on in the. uh, But that doesn't just serve for for GB. They aren't asking that of David Lammy and LBC, are they? No. Instead, they're deliberately targeting other shows on GB News because they want to bring the network down.
1: I mean, when we talk about the fact that there's so many other different news stories going on at the same time, it's not just the fact that it's the destruction of GB News. It's the fact that specifically it's the destruction of GB News centered around this one woman and her grievances. Yes, what was said was very crass. It was very rude. I don't stand by what Lawrence Fox said. If I'm perfectly honest on a personal level, I'm not a big fan of Lawrence Fox in the first place. And that's my personal feelings. I'm not going to go out and try and get his entire career destroyed, however, just because of my own personal feelings on the matter. But it's a great way to keep the news centered around her from her own personal perspective. It's fantastic advertisement for her and her career and the organization or organizations around her. Well, it's because they're
0: getting trounced in the ratings by every GB News show in the time slots. They just want to create it so that it's hegemonic again, so that no one has an option but to watch these terrible channels mm-hmm. whose programming's been nothing but progressive sludge for the last
1: couple of decades. Yeah, it's, it's very pragmatic for the BBC and Good Morning Britain well, to, have BBC, su- yeah, to have such an easy way to try and destroy one of their primary competitors.
0: Yeah, well, BBC, they brought on three guests who all said GB News should be shut down. Where's the off-con balance on that? Again, it only cuts one way. And this BBC is very instructive as well. When Gary Lineker was being looked into political bias, what happened? All of his colleagues walked out in solidarity. They stood behind him and they backed down. That's what should have happened. If you don't cave, they would have gone to bed and just tried a new attack in the morning because they will always attack you. It's not specifically about this. But Adam Bolton used to be on Sky News and he actually shouted at um, Bev. I've forgotten her name.
1: Bev Turner? No,
0: no, 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 not Beth Turner. Um the one that broke lockdown rules. In- I think I've
1: seen the clip of it going around yeah. since he's been appearing talking about G B news. Yeah, he
0: he he's he's shouting swore to sit down and get in place right before it went on air and immediately snapped into professional mode and she was just shocked. As so, though oh he's, he's he's allowed to could shout at women in certain ways and still be invited on these shows. Same with Caroline Noakes. She was on this as well. So, Caroline Noakes, one of the chairs of the Women's and Equality Committee, has been during the Conservative government, also the head of 50 50 Parliament. So, she wants gender based equity. Yeah, she's not. I once said that she wasn't very bright. I didn't even tag her in the tweet. And she sought out my Twitter account to reply to me. She's that insecure. She's not an intelligent person. She said, oh, I've never been on that network. It should be shut down. Um, Turns out that GB News compiled all the times that she's actually been on, which is nine times. She was last on two weeks ago to talk about Russell Brand. But okay, either you're not bright or you're lying. But again, all the government, all the media moving in one concerted direction. This is just a character attack.
1: Yeah, it it is a character attack. And the fact that it's coming from all of these people who, from my personal opinion, from the information that we know and that what we've provided and what we've seen is that every single one of these people, Piers Morgan, Adam Bolton, every single one of these people, none of them have any principles whatsoever. None of them have any standards that they would apply that every single one of them will stab you in the back and throw you under the bus as soon as it benefits their career pragmatically. So the fact that any of these people think for a second that they have a leg to stand on in judging somebody else's character, whether I agree with what Lawrence Fox said or not, Every single one of these people has said as bad as Lawrence Fox, if not 10 times worse when they think they can get away with it. When they know they can get away with it because it's their buddies who are the ones regulating the broadcasting networks. I couldn't have said it better myself.
3: They're also not even trying to hide the veneer of being unbiased as well in that they're inviting people on who have a direct incentive to destroy GB news because it profits their own careers in competing networks or they cover their politics negatively
0: yeah you're just legitimating the idea that GB News spreads the conspiracy theory that Every single other mainstream media network wants them extinguished and acts in concert to achieve it. Uh, so, Constantine Kissing just made a, a really good point. GB News presenter made some offensive comments, so the station should be shut down. Several BBC presenters nonced kids for decades, so the station must be allowed to operate. Make it make sense. Uh, Alison Pearson capitalises on this as well, just giving the examples of Channel 4. You know, Chris, Christian Guru Murthy, the guy that hosts Channel 4 News, he uh, called Steve Baker a uh, see you next Tuesday off air. Fair enough. Um, but he's now decided to go on Strictly Come Dancing. Again, he's been totally embraced. He's kept his career. He's now pratting around on a Saturday night on the BBC. And then Gordon Brown. It's quite funny. He went on Sky News. Um, he was asked what he thought of this. Now, I was in the Sky News green room and sod it. They leaked personal information about me, so I don't really care. In the Sky News green room, I overheard some of the journalists talking about just how much it felt like Gordon Brown was back to his usual rhetoric, back when he was campaigning, back when he was good again. So again, they don't just hide their bias. Gordon Brown was good? <laughs> uh, not seeing Ever? things, apparently. But he just frankly said, yeah, Ofcom needs to be given more powers to investigate whether or not these, these stations should be on the air at all.
1: There you go. Shut down my enemies. Yep, party political broadcast. Give promotions and extra money to my friends.
0: Yeah, and, and as Alison Pearson pointed out in her Telegraph article, isn't it funny when he, speaking of disparaging women, uh, described that Labour voter as just a bigoted woman and had to come out and apologise for it? So we're really taking him as a, a moral arbiter. But again, it's not about hypocrisy. It's about hierarchy. But speaking of Sky News, um, for anyone who wants to watch and have their ears burned out for 13 minutes, um, I went on there on, on Wednesday night. I was invited on under the auspices of, oh, we're just gonna have a little chat and ask what you think. And I was not told who I was gonna be on against until I was sat in the chair. I was invited into the studio and then shuffled into a down the line room, which was very unprofessional. I also requested that Lotus Seat has been the tagline. They confirmed that was gonna happen. And they didn't do that, but they put my opponent, who was on Novara Media in the tagline, who they then gave more airtime and allowed to scream at me. And the host decided to rig the questions against me and say "At uh, at the end of the interview, well, we'll put her out of her misery as if talking to me was such a burden. So I'm not going to play any clips from that. You can go watch that in your own time if you want to torture yourself. The
1: important thing about this is... Just to back you up on this, with the one or two clips that I have seen from this, I think you handled yourself very well when the questions, as you say, were completely rigged against you. Every single question was just a series of buzz, buzzwords with a question mark at the end of it. And you did a very good job in calling that out.
0: I think I could have done
1: a fair bit better, but it's also, you're walking into the lion's den, you're going to get bit. The, the whole thing was an attempt at a big gotcha.
0: Yeah, frankly so. but. The reason I raise this is not to put myself at the centre of the storm. It's because now they're trying to do so, because The Telegraph decided to do an article without ever contacting me for comment, only talking to Moya, Maya, whatever her bloody name is. She's an awful person, so I don't
1: care. That is actually going against all of the standards of basic journalism that I was taught going through university, even when it was going against um, documentaries for somebody as controversial and notorious as... To a purple Aki, we were always told, we were always told, okay, <laughs> it doesn't matter who you're talking about. If you want to have a veneer of journalistic fairness, you get comments from everybody involved so that they can put their side of the story in front.
3: I didn't expect him to come up.
1: I know, I wasn't expecting either, but it just popped into my head. Good yeah. Example, yeah, but literally, so Purple Aki gets better treatment than I do. Yes,
0: <laughs> that's mad. Literally. And, and this entire article, again, written by a, a staff writer who I I haven't read anything else she's written, so I don't know the veracity of her journalistic integrity. But in this article, it was dreadful because the entire article was about me and the interlocutor. Uh, The claim was that she wasn't getting paid. And when she was offered pay, it was a fraction of what I was offered. Um, So just to set the record straight
1: fault. Even if that
0: is true, it's not true at all. Um, oh. Just to set record straight here, what happens is when you're booked for media, if you're sensible and you do your own accounting, which I have to, you go, oh, is there an appearance fee associated with this? So you can get your invoice in order, you can get on the books, you have to process everything properly so you don't commit tax fraud. So I asked that, and they just said, yeah, two hundred pounds. I was like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll come into the studio. So when I showed up during the interview, she was saying, oh, I'm so tired. I was asked on to talk about misogyny, and I'm so tired. And I just went, look, you're sitting here, you're, you're paid to speak about this, and she went, I'm not getting paid for this. It's like number one. Yeah, you are. Your day job is at Navara Media. So you're literally paid to talk about this all the time. But if you weren't paid for this particular interview, um, well, I'll, I'll say this. Someone, someone tweeted, sorry, texted me saying, uh, to not get paid for something or to not ask for an appearance fee is not misogyny. It's an idiot tax. If you don't ask to be paid for your time, that's on you. But she then turned around and said, after the fact, clearly to Sky News, all right, what's he getting paid then? I want that. And they, she said they offered her £75. Now, From an email from a different producer, they came back to me and said, oh, actually, sorry, my other colleague got it wrong. It wasn't 200. It's actually 75, which means retroactively, they offered me a lower fee than they'd promised over the phone to try and avoid it looking like they were being unfair to her because she's a woman. So that means they also leaked confidential information about my rate of pay to a guest who was opposite me on the panel who would be animus to me. That's staggering malpractice by Sky News. And that has just been made public. So now it's I'm fine with making it public. And I've included it in a complaint, because um, I turns out, obviously she didn't contact me. She doesn't reply to this tweet, in a complaint to Ipso and to Ofcom. Again, Ofcom, probably not going to do anything. Ipso said they're going to follow up on it. Excuse me if I don't have much faith on these bodies that are meant to be um, practicing journalistic proper practice and impartiality. Anyway, um, then what happened was Ava decided to watch the segment, yeah, and said that GB News commentator went on Sky News this evening and said that I'd encouraged women to file false rape allegations. I have never, ever said this yet. And I didn't say that either, love. What I said is, quote, Ava said women should be able to weaponize false rape allegations in order to keep men afraid of actually committing sexual assault. Because yes, that was an accurate summary. You were apathetic about the ability of women, like Amber Heard, for example, to file false rape accusations as long as it made a climate of what you think is safety for women from actual predators. And I think it's reprehensible that any man should go to prison for a false rape allegation and that any woman should face no consequences for making false allegation. But I don't think that you care about that. Again, you're welcome to correct me. You haven't responded yet. You're welcome to correct me if I've made the wrong assent- uh, assertion that you don't care about men that go to prison over forced rape allegations. You just want power and to punish men. That is my reading. You're welcome to respond, but you haven't yet. Very frustrating. Anyway, so I'll just quickly sum up that. Um, Neil Oliver at least gets it. Neil Oliver, who has been behind everyone in this situation. That's definitely what I will say. I support Ava's right to speak freely. I support Lawrence's right to speak freely. I support the right of everyone to speak freely. The policing of every word and one witch hunt after the other will be the undoing of us all. And I'll finish on Paul Embry, who is usually one of GB News' panel leftists. Now, Paul is actually a very nice guy. I've been on the opposite... To him. He's a firefighter, so he does a useful job. I just disagree with him on the means of getting a better country because he's a trade union Labour member. But he said, these people really don't care about the nature of the comments. Similarly, unpleasant comments have been made on other broadcast platforms. Think of BBC C4 panel shows, Jimmy Carr, Frankie Boyle, um, Joe Brand on Have I Got News For You, saying there was a, throw acid at Nigel Farage. For
1: there a was a fantastic list I saw of this where Frankie Boyle people were making jokes about how they were going to kill white people on yes. Frankie Boyle's show, um whatever it's called. Uh, There was one where Marion Margolis, you know, that diabolical. Margolis, yeah. Margolis, that. Harry Potter, yeah. Diabolical woman from Harry Potter and sadly one of my favorite shows, Blackadder, was saying things about how. uh, I don't remember what the exact quote was, but it was certainly a lot worse than whatever Lawrence Fox may have said.
0: Yeah. And so Paul just says for them, it's all about getting GB News off air. That's their motivation. And so I just want to finish, and I'm sorry I've taken up so much of your time, but. I just want to finish with the fact that I am very disappointed that GB News has decided to even launch investigations against some of their most beloved, loyal, and sincere hosts, including particularly Lawrence Fox and my friend Calvin Robinson, because you are persecuting your friends on behalf of the glee of your enemies. And what they want, even if they didn't get kicked out, what they want is for us to be infighting and distracted while they reassert their hegemony. GB News has so far been a fantastic opportunity to platform genuine dissenters, including myself, and I count myself very lucky to have basically been there since the start and do gigs. But I can't say that many people will stick around, particularly in the audience, and also some people that go on if you decide to treat people like Mark Stein, Lawrence Fox, and Calvin Robinson in this way. Stop doing your enemy's bidding. We're all better than that.
1: All right, looks like we'll move on to the next segment. But as we're we're getting the information, up, I just wanted to comment that point that you made on the idiot tax from people who don't ask for fees. This is something interesting, because it reminded me one time when I was in my first year of university and we were doing radio course and television course, and if you're going to be contributing to something, or even being hired on by a station and how you can sort out your fee. um, We had a woman come in who was a professional who'd been doing this for years. And this was back in 2016, so it's remarkable that back then they were talking so candidly about this. The woman comes in, she talks about the gender pay gap and says, oh, we've got all of this information from the BBC where are these people who are the men tend to get paid more and the women tend to get paid slightly less. She said in front of the entire class, this has nothing to do with anything systemic or any inbuilt biases in the system against women. She said from her own experience and her experience in seeing other people go and apply for these jobs, is that when they get into the office with the manager, with the boss, and, they're, and the, in the negotiations, women just don't push as hard for good wages as men do. Don't ask, don't get. That's that's literally well, what it was. It, it's that men are more prone to be disagreeable
3: yes. by disposition. It's a biologically encoded thing. Therefore, we're more comfortable in a confrontational se- like situation, I, I, aren't we?
1: I just found it remarkable, even at the time, that somebody would be so honest about it to a group of students, which included a lot of 18-year-old straight-out-of-college feminists in it. So uh, I think that dispelled a few disillusions from them at the time. But sadly, of course, those 18-year-old feminists have now gone on to be 25-year-old feminists working for their own radio stations or for Channel 4, BBC, and other such places, probably, possibly even producing behind the scenes, maybe even in GB News. Who knows? They're probably more than gleeful to see a dog pile like this going on. I saw a number of them celebrating, jumping from the rooftops, shouting from the rooftops, sorry, not jumping from the rooftops, <laughs> <laughs> shouting from the rooftops as soon as they saw allegations had come out against Russell Brand simply because that they knew that the, he had been branded, no pun intended, as somebody who was their enemy. And therefore, no matter what comes out, whether it's true or not, whether we go through a public trial or we just have mob vengeance, that they were supposed to be cheering it on.
3: Looking to rustle up some controversy. On that. Oh dear,
1: let's let's stop with the unintentional um, puns. So <laughs> yeah. let's move on because here we go again. As we know, over the past few years, there has been an increase and a, a rapid acceleration of racial tensions going on all across the West, not just in America, but in the UK as well. We constantly talk about how this. Numerous ethnic enclaves that pop up all around the country. Cities in the UK are becoming less and less British by the year. And this causes tensions, this causes conflict that the ruling class, the government, want to exac- exacerbate. They want to make it worse for everybody because they want conflict in the street. That's how I see it. They want the people who are native to European countries and those who are some of the founding stock of the US, for instance, those citizens, to be disenfranchised and understand that they are no longer in charge. Because from my reading of the situation, that means that they pose less of a political threat to the the hegemony that we exist in right now. And for a long time since the George Floyd riots of 2020, the UK has been missing one pivotal piece, one final piece in the puzzle so that we can have all of the same racial tensions in the UK they have over in the US, is that we have been missing a George Floyd. They are trying to rewrite our history in the same way that the 1619 Project tried to rewrite American history. That was a massive push by the New York Times, the big project where they got lots of historians to lie. And lots of historians have come out and proven that a lot of what they were saying were lies. So that's not a particularly controversial statement. Now we've got the BBC, Horrible Histories, lots of other um, pieces of media trying to rewrite our history so that we can insert Africans where there weren't any. Even we've spoken about Cheddar Man recently over the weekend. Even if Cheddar Man does turn out, if we can find a way to test DNA for skin pigmentation, even if it does turn out that he was darker than we would expect, this still doesn't make him African. They're trying to take our history and insist that we're all immigrants. We all have. We're all African down the line. Therefore, you have to accept mass immigration from third world countries primarily coming from north and sub-saharan Africa because that's what we're getting a lot that's the people who are coming over the channel well the claim made in that book that we covered
3: um the one which um the segment was titled um stonehenge but the most egregious claim is that they were saying that the british isles had been black for longer than it had been a white country and they're basically trying to say that, hey, you're a guest in our country. That's
1: a rather remarkable, they're saying we're mm. usurpers, that in similar way that uh, Israel was reclaimed by the Jews, then UK should be up for grabs to be able to be reclaimed by those who originally belonged It's, a, cas- generation. Generation belong it's to. a
3: casus belli, basically. It's a reason for conquest. It, it justifies mm. why they can do this and why they can be horrible.
1: Yes, but just over a year ago, it seemed that they had their their George Floyd moment. We finally had a George Floyd situation in the UK, in the center of London, where a black man, an unarmed black man was shot and killed by a metropolitan police officer, which was absolute, this was Christmas for the elites because that's exactly what they wanted so that they could push the racial grievance narrative. We've had lots of institutionalized racism talk going on in the police ever since Stephen Lawrence in the 1990s, but what they needed was a direct incident of a black man who is supposedly unarmed, being assaulted and murdered by a police officer. They had one in 2011 as well. This was the catalyst for the 2011 London riots, which just happened a
0: couple of roads away from where I grew up. And this is Mark Duggan, who was supposedly discarding of a handgun. I can't remember whether or not he actually had, but he had past convictions and he was shot because he was believed to have been armed. And the family came out and protested it and said that this was police violence. And then it turned into an excuse to ransack and loot JD Sports in Lewisham and Elton.
1: Always happens. You can only feed your children if you're stealing the top, the top range Nike. That's the only thing that you can do. If I don't, if I can't steal a Rolex, how are my children supposed to live?
3: I do remember a guy stealing a whole bag of basmati rice and posting it on Facebook, which obviously got him caught. Which was uh,
1: very smart. incredibly. They're stupid. not sending yeah. their best, yeah. Very smart. Uh, but what I'm going to do here, I'm going to explain to you what's been going on with the Metropolitan Police since the incident that occurred last September. I'm going to give you the context for that situation and tell you how the media as they're reporting it right now, are leaving out a lot of crucial details that were reported by certain publications at the time, but were still ignored. The police themselves seem to be ignoring some of these crucial details, at least in the statements that they have released to the public. And then I'm going to give everybody a quick lesson. I've done this before. I've spoken about Chris Carver twice already, but I'm going to give everybody a quick reminder of the music scene that he came from, which is specific to London, the drill rap scene, and the kind of environment and people that that creates. Before I do that, we've got lots of excellent videos on the website. We've had quite a few signups recently because we currently still have the promo code Sargon Active. So if you go on uh, Stripe when you're signing up for the website and you use Sargon with a e promo code, yes, with an e at the end, then that means that you'll be able to get fifty percent off your first three month subscription. Excellent deal, honestly. We've got probably probably years worth of content on the website. three year anniversary. Yes.
0: We have many long
1: running series with like Josh's Contemplation has over a hundred episodes. It's well worth the time. Approaching 150 now. Yeah, getting to 150, we've got Epochs. And we also have, if we go back to it, Connor and I's Comics Corner. And this was the second part of a much anticipated series that we've been covering. The Zerk, we previously for the sixth episode did the Golden Age and Black Swordsman arc. This was the follow up to The Conviction. Berserk being the only Japanese property that we have covered so far. It's been quite a hit. People really like it. I really love the series. And Connor is slowly managing to get into it as well as it starts to become a bit less grim, dark, and miserable. Bonnace helps. Yes, and he's found his... Congratulations, guys. Connor finally has an anime waifu. So she just needed <laughs> to be a LARPing, sadomasochistic drag calf. There you go. So if you'd like to check that video out, please go to the website, subscribe <laughs> subscribe for two hours of Connor realizing his inner weeaboo, and let's carry on, shall we? So the news that's coming out right now is that earlier on this week, the Metropolitan Police officer who shot Chris Caber in the head, one shot, one kill, quite impressive, if we're perfectly honest. Let's not, I'm not, I'm not going, you know, he's, been arrested and charged with murder. So at the moment, they still have to prove it in a court of law. They still have to go through all the proceedings, but that's what's happened. And as a result, a lot of metropolitan police officers have said that they are going to refuse to carry their guns. It's also,
3: sorry to cut you off. Um, It's also worth mentioning as well, that our armed response uh, units in Britain tend to be very well-trained. They spend a lot of time training rather than on the street. And then they're called out to specific operations. A lot of the time, of course, they'll, they'll still do things like um, walking around um, potential terrorist tar- targets yeah. and things like that. So they'll be in like airports and outside parliament, as you said, but a lot of the time they are specializing in being as good as possible. Most of them so, are ex-military. Yeah, well, yep. it's worth mentioning that there isn't necessarily this parallel between America where I think some American police officers get thrown under the bus with very little training. And I think that actually a lot of the time just training them to be better at their job could help. And it also means it's easier to defend them when something goes wrong, because you say, listen, we've put them through all of this training. You know, we've done everything we can to minimize the chance of accidentally shooting an innocent person.
1: Well, as we'll go on to find out when we go through the details, I don't think anything was done wrong in the situation that the police officer found himself in. The fact that it was one shot and one kill is especially impressive. And it's just another case where the powers that be are taking a force that is supposed to be protecting the citizenry, and it's, you, and it's uh, stripping away its powers to ensure that the kind of culture that Chris Caber came from, this drill gang, drill rap culture, can spread around and cause chaos for the people who are actually affected by it. They're the ones that have to face the consequences of increased crime. London is a city which has had exploding crime rates for years at this point, constantly rising year on year. And if this was 100 years ago, and we were still under the Robert Peel police system in London, where there was very, very low crime rates. People weren't expected to be going around shooting and stabbing one another in the streets. Then perhaps, you know, a situation like this wouldn't cause a problem. But in London right now, which is in parts of it essentially um, a subdued war zone. Um, don't go to Wood Green. Just don't, don't do it. And don't really go around Brixton. In fact, I've got a map at the end of this where it will show you specific areas where you sh- probably shouldn't go unless you're in a large group of people that you can trust and rely on. Anyway, I'll read through some of this article to give you the proper details. So on Thursday, and this was Thursday last week now, an armed officer who's only been identified as NX-121 appeared at Westminster Magistrates Court and also the Old Bailey charged with murdering Mr. Cabra on September 5th last year. who's given conditional bail and is expected to stand trial next year. Highly trained officers working for SCO-19, the Specialist Firearms Unit, told their bosses they were no longer willing to carry uh, guns the day after a Met officer appeared, blah, 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 Um, They describe Chris Cabot here as an unarmed black man who was shot dead in South London last September. And unarmed is a nice malleable term because if you're wielding a car with the chance to run someone over, can you really be classified as unarmed? But it's nice and malleable and vague enough that you can make that argument. The Met has more than 3,000 firearms officers across a number of units, but the loss of so many at once has led to concern over the ability of the force to meet its duties and keep the public safe. One source said these officers are highly trained professionals who take their role and responsibilities extremely seriously because as we talked about, these are men who at at the base of it, if you join the police force, you want to keep people safe. That's what these people want to do. They go into the firearms because they know that they will be very specialist, and they will only be needed in specific situations, but they do not go in with the intention or desire to just wantonly murder people. So I know they someone, want to keep people safe.
0: I know someone who does a lot of engineering work inside many police stations to the point where they have a routine Met Police pass. And they were speaking to me yesterday and they said there are upwards of a thousand firearm officer incidents every year, but they only usually result in one or two kills. And it's because they have such trigger discipline and they are so well-coordinated that usually these sorts of interactions are not necessary. So what was the trigger for this interaction? As you said, it was the possibility that one of the officers could be hit by the car. At that point, it is a reasonable use of force.
3: I think it's also worth mentioning as well that a lot of the people that aspire to get into these armed response units are the people who don't want to do all the petty nonsense like um, he's, he said, she said on Arresting Twitter. Arresting an
0: autistic girl for insulting a yeah, cop saying she looks like a lesbian.
3: They're actually dealing with, you know, violent, organised crime, and you know, terrorists. These are two things that I feel like are very uncontroversial to deal with. And so they feel like, well, of course I'm doing good now. I'm not necessarily persecuting people for voicing their opinions. I'm dealing with terrorists and, and drug dealers and, and violent criminals. So there's sort of a selection pressure that pushes people in that area of policing to be, you know, they're, they're selected to be good people a lot Mm. of the time obviously you can't generalize but on the whole i can i can certainly identify the
1: benefit of the doubt
0: most most of of the time i will say of course the sarah everard guy who was covered up for was an arm he he did spend time in the armed response unit there will be people that slip through the net however yes the rigorous training and the nature of the work does pre-select for officers who are more competent and show more restraint
1: yes Carrying on, the statement continues saying they're simply no longer willing to take the risk of going to work with all of the dangers that represent and also run the risk of being charged with murder. Lots of them have simply had enough and are saying it's just not worth it anymore because realistically, the incentives that are being set are if you do your job properly and actually keep people safe, you will be the one going to court over this. So what is the point? Because not only are you going to bring ruin to your own life, you'll be bringing financial ruin to your family's life with whatever legal costs you might be saddled with. And the fact that if you do get put away, your family don't have you to rely on anymore. And you become a pariah in the community when you get out, your name will be smeared for all time forevermore. You will be that racist murdering police officer. Nobody wants that. So why would they carry on with their job the way that they're setting up right now? Just hours after he appeared in court, a Sir Mark Rowley, the Met Commissioner, had a meeting with around 70 firearms officers concerned about the development. He issued a statement which said they were understandably anxious as they consider how others may assess their split second decisions years after the event with the luxury of as much time as they want to do this and the effect that this can have on them and their families. So with the police, seemingly a a significant portion of them handing in their firearms, who's going to take the place? Because London, as I've mentioned, is quite a dangerous place in some areas. Well, it looks as though the metropolitan might be bringing in some military support, potentially as and when they need it, which might not work that well because, (laughs) as we mentioned, a lot of these firearms officers are the ones who are gonna have been potentially previously in the military anyway. But the sort of training and uh, situations you're trained to respond to in the military are different than in an urban setting in London. You don't know what's going to happen there. But, you know, let's, let's see what they say. The MOD said it received a request known as the military aid to the civil authorities from the Home Office to provide routine counterterrorism contingency support to the Metropolitan Police should it be needed. The Met said it was a contingency option that would be used in specific circumstances and where an appropriate policing response was not available. Military staff would not be used in routine policing capacity, it added. But if a situation where violence does begin to erupt on the streets happened, I Feel as though the military support that comes in will not be uh, will be uh, might be a bit more dangerous for the people engaging in the mm-hmm. violence than if it was the firearms officers. Well, it's Potentially-
0: less so less so the people engaging in the violence because putting it frankly, if you're rioting in the streets, I don't care about the the danger posed to you. You're already a criminal. You you forfeit your own life. I'm concerned about the possibility of civis- civilian casualties because again, the firearms officers are more trained to be have higher trigger discipline in an urban environment, whereas the military are more adapted to different warfare tactics. It is, so they might not be properly equipped to do, uh, to deal with this, in this, London as they
1: would in Baghdad. Also, this isn't to say anything negative about the military nope. forces. This is speculation on our part, just from tangential knowledge. It
3: is worth mentioning that the military have their own military police as well. And um, I would imagine that they would be the most sort of suited to replacing regular police, wouldn't they? Because they're already, in a sort of policing role, but it is also worth mentioning that they're used to policing people in the military. And so they're used to policing trained killers, aren't they? Mm. And they're not necessarily used to um, dealing with civilians. So if there are circumstances where there are um, civilians caught in a crossfire, it may be that they don't have as much experience as, say, the proper armed response police.
0: And reserve levels are at the lowest they've been since the Napoleonic Wars, so do we really need to stress our military capacity anymore by
1: depleting the number of armed officers that should be dealing with different jobs? It's just ridiculous. It's an excellent question, but what statements did the police make? Well, let's read it out because they included it in the IOPC statement on the website because the IOPC are the ones who've been looking into this for the past year or so, and uh, the summary of events, is comprehensive enough, but as we'll find out, missing some crucial context here, which I hope is going to be looked into from some of the reporting that was done closer to the time when the shooting had just occurred, reported by Telegraph and the Evening Standard, um, when they were reporting it. And I hope that if there's going to be uh, an actual comprehensive investigation done into it that they follow up on these statements that were made by anonymous individuals for those papers. Because otherwise, as far as I'm concerned, you don't have the full story because what they've put here is comprehensive enough, but not the full story. On Monday, the 5th of September, 2022, Mr. Chris Caber was driving an Audi motor vehicle in South London. The Audi Mr. Cabba was driving was believed to be linked to a firearms incident, which took place the previous day and an automatic number plate recognition marker had been placed upon it. Briefing was provided to officers prior to their shift on the 5th of September in which the Audi was brought to their attention as potentially being associated with the firearms incident the previous day. Mr. Caber's name was not included in the briefing because the car was not registered under his name in the first place. Why was he driving it? According to police logs and accounts received to date by officers, the Audi was recognized by officers parked at the side of the A202 in Camberwell Green in an unmarked arms response vehicle. The officers then started to follow the vehicle and circulated this via police airwaves around 9.52. Officers continued to follow the Audi until 10.07. The officers did not activate their lights or sirens while following the vehicle. The intention was to use an enforced stop extraction on the Audi. That makes perfect sense because you don't know if he's carrying a firearm or not. Yes, it's related to a firearms incident. You can't trust the situation isn't going to escalate, especially around the streets of London. If you end up getting into a high-speed chase, there could be some bad casualties that result from that. At around 10.07, Mr. Krabber took made a left turn from the New Park Road into Kirkstall Gardens, Already present on Kirkstall Gardens was a marked police armed response vehicle. The marked ARV had parked on Kirkstall Gardens with the intention of joining the other police officers behind the Audi once it had passed the junction. One of the officers inside the marked ARV was NX-121, the one who's been charged. Once Mr. Caber made the left turn, the decision was taken to perform an inline extraction. Armed officers exited their vehicles and approached the Audi. The evidence suggests that contact was made between the Audi driven by Mr. Caber and the police vehicles. So he drove it into the police car? Yes. The evidence further suggests that officer NX, uh, NX-121 was standing to the front of Mr. Carver's vehicle, so in direct... In, in, direct, um, in the path but, of the vehicle. In, in the path of the vehicle, so he could have been hit. A single shot was fired from the officer, piercing the front windscreen of the vehicle that Mr. Carver was driving and struck him. Officers at the scene provided first aid to Mr. Cabber before he was taken to Co- King's College Hospital, where he was pronounced dead at 12, 16 a.m. on Tuesday, the 6th of September. So they tried to save his life. So they did try to save his life, but once again, seems that only one shot was fired, one shot hit, and that's all the job that needed doing. But, that's like some proper Clint Eastwood. It, like, it really is. One shot. straw. Yeah. One shot, one kill. But as I mentioned, this is missing context. So if we go to the Telegraph article that was released on the 7th of September last year, It says here, locals described how the police used their own cars to box in the Audi Q8 while shouting at the driver to get out. Witnesses claimed the driver ignored police requests to give himself up, so he had plenty of opportunity. And when he attempted to ram his way out of the roadblock, officers opened fire. So once again, unarmed doesn't mean that he didn't have possession of anything that could be used to kill you because this might shock some people watching. An Audi Q8 going at high enough speed could easily kill someone, Even not even necessarily high enough speed, just ramming into you repeatedly to try and get out. Unarmed just means we didn't think he had a gun in his hand at the time.
3: So as I understand the situation then, there was an officer in between the Audi and a police car that had blocked him in in front in between the two
1: there. That's what it sounds like.
3: So he would have been sandwiched in between two vehicles if, if he had successfully
1: hit the officer. Situations and, that could easily kill someone. And
0: yes. also Kaber was able to see the armed officer holding the gun. So he took the gamble to drive at the officer holding it. What did you expect? Genuinely, what is going through your mind when someone's aiming a gun
1: at you, telling you not to drive, and you floor it? Yes, and there's there's a lot more information giving some context in this Telegraph article because then they try with the sob story, the sub story that leads to images like, if I go, this one, the one that everybody has seen as Chris Carver at this point, justice for Chris Carver because we managed to find one soppy photo of him looking happy and smiling, which proves that he was a good boy who didn't do nothing. If we, Criminals have never smiled. Just just like, you, can, yeah, you can find pictures of Al Capone with a big grin on his face. You could probably find pictures of Robert Mugabe with a big grin on his face. This doesn't stop them from having been very, very bad people. In the context it gives here, he was an expectant father who was due to get married in January. Keep a hold of that information. He was understood to be a member of a drill rap collective known as 67, who were nominated as best newcomer in the 2016 Music of Black Origin, MOBO Awards, formed in Brixton and Herne Hill areas of South London, Members of the 67 group were linked to a Country Lines drug dealing operation in county, 2019. Oh yes, uh, county, yes. With 16 members ch- uh, jailed for a collective total of 61 years. Mr. kaba was also with the group when they performed on the TV channel of the controversial former BBC DJ Tim Westwood. Thank you, Mr. Westwood, for platforming criminals. Mr. kaba himself was also jailed in 2019 after being convicted of fi- uh, possessing a firearm with intent to cause fear of violence. So if
0: they did know he was behind the vehicle of the vehicle registered to a firearm incident, they could have looked him up and gone, right, he's had a firearm before and he's been in prison for it. The car is linked to a firearm incident. It's probable that
1: he's got a gun. And there's more in the Evening Standard article that we'll get to in a moment that proves that, that he's, a, he's just of a violent disposition in the first place. They say in here, Drill rap music has been criticized by police for stoking violence with rival gangs, often goading each other in lyrics that are posted on social media. By that, as we'll find out, they literally mean they will kill someone and wear a mask in a music video bragging about it, and post it to YouTube. That's what they do. This incident follows the murders of two drill rappers in recent days, with 21-year-old Takayo Nemerd stabbed to death at the Notting Hill Carnival, Ooh, pretty common occurrence there, and 29-year-old Maximilian Kusi, Kusi Owusu guns down in West Kensington. And this is one of those fine gentlemen who ended up murdered. I think this is the one who died at Notting Hill Carnival. And this is even more information from the time, Evening Standard, and once again, For the police investigation and the legal investigation that's gonna be going on with this trial next year, I want them to follow up on all of these anonymous claims that were made in these articles that the journalists spoke to people at the incident who say things like this. An anonymous witness later told The Standard, armed police jumped out and was shouting at the man, get out of the car, at least a dozen times. The guy in the car had a lot of opportunities to stop, but he refused. He then started driving towards a police car and smashed into it, then reversed, He just wouldn't stop the vehicle. So this isn't even really a case like George Floyd where there's some ambiguity in it because of the fact that it looked, to me, it wasn't proven in a court of law, but it looked a lot to me like he was going through a fentanyl overdose that Derek Chauvin didn't really have much to do with. This was a clear incident of this man was attacking police officers. He could have had the opportunity to get out of the car, not escalate the situation, and then he could complain on social media the day after that police pointed a gun at him because he was a black guy and would have got Telegraph article, would have got Daily Mail, would have got the BBC interview anyway. But no, he instead chose to try and ram his way out of the situation and got shot. On the graph of F around to find out, I'd say he's a 10. Mm-hmm.
3: It's also worth mentioning as well, if you're driving a car that's not registered in your name, that's still illegal. So mm. he, even if he was unarmed, he had still broken the law and clearly he was so concerned about this minor charge that he was willing to ram into a police
1: officer. It would probably have violated his parole conditions, wouldn't it? That's mm. probably true as well, yeah. So the resident also claimed that Caber could have killed one of the officers with his car, clearly. Ms. Ribeiro Addy, below, says the car was not registered to Mr. Carber and wonders if the police even knew he was the driver. Last weekend's rallies were held outside New Scotland Yard, Met's headquarters with other protests taking place in Brighton, Manchester, and Cardiff, all for this sweet angel, this sweet baby boy, who just happened to try and kill some police officers. Mourners were told Mr. Kaba's pregnant fiance, Karima Waite, was so grief-stricken she could hardly get out of bed. Star Wars actor John Boyega highlighted the case on New York's Hot 97 radio station while discussing institutional racism, the institutional racism of police officers defending themselves in a life or death situation. Vossi Bop rapper Stormzy, another worthless human being, offered his support to Mr. Kaba's family at a time when the Queen's death overtook the musicians in the news. What's Vossy I- Bop? Uh, I don't know. I may be okay. a region where he's from. All I know is Stormzy, if you're stoking this sort of thing, I'm not surprised at all. At the time, here's a fun one. Mr. Kaba had only recently been released from a four-year term in a young offender institution for pol- possession of the firearm, intent to cause fear of violence, the conviction dated to an incident in Butchers Road, Canning Town, 2017. With that incident, we already mentioned in the previous one, they expand on it here. Police said that gunshots were fired, but no one was injured. So it's not even a situation where he was just waving a gun around like an idiot. He, he was actually involved in a situation, whether it was him firing or not, where shots were fired. Fantastic. Following his sentence, Mr. Cabell was released around a year ago. But by April 13th of 2022, Freed, Mr. Carbo, was served by the police with a 28-day domestic violence protection order related to Ms. Waite, the mother of his unborn girl. The notice granted at Westminster Magistrate's Court barred him from contacting her on social media or entering her street in Battersea. So what a saint. From the understanding that I get from that, it sounds as though he may have been beating his pregnant pregnant fiancé. What a scumbag. Yes, absolute scumbag. It added the order prohibits the alleged perpetrator from using or threatening violence against her uh, or pestering, encouraging, or instructing other people to do so. However, Ms. Waite's mother, Kim Alain, 49, said her future son-in-law had an apprenticeship to become an architect. And literally, you can look into this whenever an incident like this happens. For some reason, it's always reported. Simon Webb did a YouTube video on this. It's quite remarkable. Every single one of these young black men who gets into an altercation with the police or some kind of violent encounter with gangs who dies, was always an apprenticeship to become an architect. Very strange. It, it's funny that in the 20th century, you needed
3: to be worried about the failed artists. Now it's the failed architect.
0: <laughs> yeah, but architect, architect just means I defaced the side of a leisure center with graffiti once. That's about it. And he, even
1: then he was only an apprentice. Yeah. Uh, but she added, he was so loved. He was so funny. He was super kind. If it's a white boy, he would have got a chance to get out of the car. He did, he had 12. He did. He had 12, at least 12, and instead chose to drive into the officer. So it sounds a lot like it was his fault. And I'm not saying that he deserved it. I'm saying that he put himself in a situation where it ended up happening. I think he absolutely deserved it. He's a yeah, career so criminal. He
0: decided to try and kill a police officer. He's a
1: moron. Oh, and even more fun. There might be a reason. One of the uh, Here's something else that might make you think to yourself, maybe we didn't lose. A Christian saint here, okay, which was that it was reported earlier this year in April, and I only just learned about this the other day that there were men in court over an alleged murder plot with Chris Caber earlier this year. So this is interesting, and it was almost certainly what part of the reason that the police, uh, that the car the police were monitoring was being monitored in the first place. Uh, They say here a group of men have appeared at the Old Bailey accused of plotting with Chris Caber to murder another young man. The offense relates to a shooting in Hackney Road in Tower Hamlets, East London, on August 30th last year in which the victim survived. This sounds a lot like the firearms related incident that this was all going off the back of in the first place, bearing in mind that the incident with Caber took place on the 5th of September. This is what, five or six days prior to it, this car was being looked into. So the car that they list in this, uh, that related to it was a Range Rover, but still these people who were all involved in it, car might have belonged to one of them, that Audi Q8. On Friday, Shamaya Bell, Hamza Abdi, spot any classic British names here, if you will, Conal Bangboye and Simeon Blasgo, <laughs> interesting, appeared at the Old Bailey by video link from Thameside and High Down prisons. The other two defendants, Marcus Pottinger, 20, from Brixton, and Carl Tagot, 28, of no fixed address. That's a th- good sign. Yeah, you don't hear that very often anymore, at least not outside of Brixton were not required to attend the hearing. According to the indictment, all six men are accused of conspiring together and with, and with Mr. Cabot to murder Brendan Malucci on August 30th last year. The second charge alleges that they conspired together and with Mr. Cabot to cause grievous bodily harm to Mr. Malucci. They are further charged with possession of a firearm with intent to endanger life and with intent to cause fear of violence on Hackney Road in Tower Hamlets on the same day. So this is almost certainly the incident in the first place that had meant that uh, the car was being tracked. And secondly, this just means that Cabba was a violent criminal by the sounds of it. It sounds like whatever happened, he would have had another run-in with the police if he hadn't been careful anyway because they would have ended up bringing him into court for this.
3: Plotting to murder someone qualifies someone as a violent person. Yes. As well as shooting a gun off. I would All say. right,
1: take that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but as mentioned, he was part of a 67 drill, gra- uh, d- drill, drill rap group slash gang this is just what they do. Like, here's the leader of 67 in an interview that he did with Days. because of course you never have any any end to platforms and publications that are willing to speak to these people and glorify and excuse what it is they do. I'll just read some choice excerpts from this article of uh, where they were talking to LD, the leader of 67. Interviewing a drill rapper can be nerve wracking. Aside from the obvious menace upon which the genre thrives, your first challenge is that most are cagey facing, facing up to questions. Then there's the issue of ops. Most drill rappers have fierce rivals. Mention them and you're in dangerous waters, open to accusations trivializing life and death conflict as though discussing a soap opera. That's because your lives are so stupid and ridiculous. LD is impossibly laid back for a man serving his sixth stint in prison in 28. Now this is not Chris Caber himself. This is just the guy who, Ran the gang that Chris Cabell was a part of, so you, you don't don't judge Kaber entirely from this, but just maybe associations, birds of a feather, etc. LD was sentenced to four and a half years in December 2019 because of the conspiracy to supply crack, uh, heroin and crack cocaine across county lines. LD says his own lyrics were used against him as part of the prosecution. <gasps> I bragged about the crimes that I committed, and they used it as evidence against me. What a stupid thing! With lines like, on the way to a show now and I'm still smelling of the bando on the moats with ASAP making sweeter drinks than mango. What? What 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 poetry? Yeah, what poetry indeed. Shakespeare would be... uh, (laughs) It's like audible hieroglyphics. What does that even mean? I'm honestly despondent that the English language gets used for this drivel. So, but uh, from LD and Dizzy Rascals, oh, he's collaborated with Dizzy Rascals. What? Fantastic. (laughs) Stepped in a bando is a drug dealer's base. Being presented, that was presented as evidence in court. I was just laughing, says LD. They're just lyrics. Until you can show me evidence, which is facts, it's just lyrics, which makes it fictional. Well, it seems like you went down for this, so they must have proved it with evidence. So, don't know what you're laughing about. Wasn't Dizzy Rascal
0: recently in court for something? I can't remember exactly what shocked, it is, but I, I don't <laughs> want to be wrong here. Please correct me in the
1: comments. I think it's Well, you something might think he's bonkers, but I just think he's free. Get out of here. I heard John really? laughing. <laughs> I, I, I can't remember. I, it might
0: have been something to do with an accusation that his former girlfriend made. So I'm happy to be corrected on that. Oh, but dear. all of these people all being connected, it doesn't smack of
1: you know, being good. Yeah, you know, so uh, carries on. But Jules Insidious side remains. The most rabid fans still post scoreboards on social media, awarding points to artists based on real-life acts of violence, including murder. It's attempting to uh, conclude that authentic references to violence, drillings, are what makes drill, drill. In the 2019 Vice documentary, J.M.'s, a rapper from Sydney's 1-4, declares what makes us a drill group is that we actually do what we rap about. Does LD agree with that definition? So what this article is trying to do is saying they actually go to prison for committing crimes they then brag about these crimes. They post their crimes on social media with scoreboards of their opponents that they have murdered. But can we really believe them? What if they're actually just a bunch of innocent people who are been they're unfairly just... strung up by an institutionally racist system? What if they're just architecture students? Yeah, what if the architects could be here? <laughs> anyway, and there's loads of articles always talking about it. You've got the sun with a very remarkably comprehensive article discussing a lot of the drill war, turf wars that were going on back in 2018 and prior to that. You've got incidents like this, eight West London gang members, drill music videos, sentence after stabbing that teen, uh, after a stabbing, this is a terribly formatted headline, stabbing that left a teen with life-threatening injuries. They didn't kill anybody, but you can be goddamn sure that they tried to. This is so widespread and so well-known The Genius website has this page, drill gangs, allies and enemies, where I can just, I can scroll through. OFB, whoever they are, if I click on this, Genius annotation, scroll down. Oh wait, no, some of them don't have their allies and enemies listed, but on a few of them you do. So if I go down, just click through randomly some of them. Yes, and here you go. Allies, loose ties to Harlem Spartans and active gang with an X, enemies, most gangs, including six seven, four. Guess who they are? Six seven. Oh,
0: right. It's not yeah. quite the Montague's and the Capulets, is it? No,
1: no. This is quite remarkable. You can claim that these people are just good boys who didn't do nothing, while a milk toast music website that posts lyrics like Genius has a complete rundown of who these gangs are and who their enemies are. I like how there's a gang just called hundred and fifty. Yeah, that's what they do. They just have really bad names. <laughs> just numbers. And to make it even worse, because of the fact that we know the crimes these people commit, they brag about them in music videos, and then they post these music videos online. To make it even worse, that why the police don't just go in and arrest most of these people, they have a map. They have a map of London on the UK drill website that tells you- One, the one right near me. Yep. Look, I've been around Brixton before. I've parked my car around here. I didn't know. I was parking it in the territory of YND MFL. So you might want to go into the description and check out this website if you're, on, if you're in London, because it might be good and useful to help you stay safe at night, to be perfectly honest, because you might want to avoid all of these highlighted areas. But yeah, Chris Caber was no saint. As Connor said, as much as I hate to say it, because I know that he was a good boy who was trying to do nothing, it seemed that he got what he deserved for the situation that he put himself in. And for the love of God, Met police, do not charge this man. I know he's already been charged with murder. Give him a fair trial, acquit him. We do not want the UK Derek Chauvin.
0: We have time for the last one, or should we just go through we comments? We
1: have ten minutes. You might as well save that. For
0: yeah, me. I might as well just repurpose it for another time and talk to you, lovely people. Yeah, that sorry we weren't on. There's
1: a lot of information to go through. on That's both fine. Of those it's seconds. perfectly
0: worth. It. Honestly, sometimes it's actually just worth making the podcast structure a bit more flexible, so we get time to talk to all of you. Yeah. So
1: it was just so much to go through on these. Yeah. Or repurpose. Uh, we've it got we've though. got video comments. So okay, we, we do have video comments.
0: Yeah. Wonderful. Kick off of
1: those then. Well, we got those, John. Uh, I think I'll just there's... press video, and then
0: next, and then is this going to work? no that's that's that one hang on john i'm just doing it I'm d- oh wait john John. john's trying to click it up. It's low the there Lotus eaters. Oh, there, we there we go i've got some great news as recently came out of victoria you may have heard about this but uh recently uh dictator dan has resigned as of uh late yesterday afternoon so he's no longer the premier of victoria and as you can believe a lot of victorians are celebrating this You'd be surprised to hear that the mainstream media is also struggling to say anything good about Dan Andrews. Shows how really bad he was as a leader and premier of Victoria. But he's not going to face any repercussions for being one of the most insane people during lockdown. So he's gotten away with it, scot-free. Mm.
3: But congratulations that your main jailer is now <laughs> yeah gone. I suppose silver lining in that.
0: I will cook my pizzas, and
3: they're be- better than every any pizza that.
1: You will not be me, Stelios.
2: That looks a that's
0: so cool. That looks nice, to me. That's a friend that's right. You never do get a crust. You don't crust. Like no, no, that crust is great. The cheese is burnt around the edge. The inside of the fella saw where... Filled um, cheese was it? That's wasn't what you want. Finished. You want stuffed crust. No, you want you want right. You want yes, Cooper. I agree. You want thin crust, pizza. evenly cooked cheese, decent toppings.
1: <laughs> I think it looked nice. Not the best so pizza ever, but I thought it looked good. So oh, it looked good. It although, if you ever find yourself in the UK, what I want now is Kitchen of the Lotus Eaters, so that he and Stelios can have a competition cooking pizzas. At I was one thinking another. about
3: this the other day that we should each have our own episode of cooking. So I want to make Carl try good Mexican food because he always insults it. Are
1: you going to get but your sombrero could... out? You're going to grow a mustache for it. I've already got a poncho. I'm doing the roast potatoes, boys. I'm <laughs> doing it. To be fair, your roast potatoes that you've posted do look Only Scrams keep good. stealing
0: them. <laughs> I'm not joking. There's an actual Instagram account that posts and I'll
1: make food. I'll make the best turkey dinosaurs you've ever had in your life.
3: <laughs> your chips, beans, and mushy peas. From Harry. If I don't like you've that. You've Carl's
0: just gonna re- reheat a fray Bentos pie.
1: <laughs> hey man, if it works, it works.
0: Anyway, onto flowers.
3: All right, here's a bunch of Calycortus venustus, which are a bulb-growing California native, and they can grow uh, any color from a white to a yellow to a red to a pink. So I've got a whole bunch over here, and they're real pretty. That's
1: a really interesting pattern in that. Yeah, that looks almost amazing. like a butterfly.
3: I love this sort of thing. I think it's,
1: it's great. So, Nature is beautiful. Lots flies. I spend apparently. a lot
3: of time out in it. I, I mean, I'm trying at the minute to learn basically all of uh, Britain's wildlife. I'm trying to rote learn everything. Just so when I go for a walk, I just know what everything is and I can get a, a greater appreciation for
0: the, the world around me, I suppose.
2: Mm.
0: That's actually really wholesome.
3: Yeah, that is
1: really, really nice.
0: nice. I miss living behind a little river when I used to feed the ducks. Anyway, comments. Um, Andrew Narog, uh, this is a, well, it's a bit complimentary, so it's going to sound like I'm a bit of a dick
1: reading it out now. Um, do you want me to read it for you? Uh, you can do if you like. God bless you for going into these then, dens. Connor, good man in trying to spread reason to the public, cutting through the propagandistic nonsense that is getting disseminated constantly by the media. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, yeah.
0: I mean, if no one takes the spots, then... We just lose, don't we, I suppose. Um, Athelstan, just in the last few years, Ava Evans has called me a large virus. Yeah, she said um, she needs to continue wearing a mask to protect herself from the worst virus on the planet, which is men. Sane person. We have a lady on ITV that just called the royal family too white to record Ofcom complaints and mock the week panelists joking about Kill Whitey. Mm -hmm. No, it wasn't on mock the week. It was It
1: was uh, Frankie Boyle on his show, um, New World Order. That's what it's called, New World Order. (laughs)
0: Conspiracy. <laughs> of course it
1: is. I couldn't make yeah. it easier for us, could yeah.
0: you? None lost their jobs and none suffered consequences from Ofcom. They'll have no standards, so organizations that are meant to be railing against them should not, should, I don't understand what that means. more authority. Have no
1: standards. They have no standards, so organizations that are meant to be railing against them should not enforce I, I, I assume he means force employees to, to submit force. to their standards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, this is it. It's just, it's just repressive tolerance.
0: It's just the ability to eliminate your enemies mm. and pretend that your allies are neutral. It's, it's like when I, went on, when I went on Sky, the woman that just threw all the buzzwords out in the question, I was just like, well, you just encoded it with your values there. You don't even see, or maybe you do, you're just disingenuous, how that isn't a neutrally framed question, but she suffers no repercussions from it. Arizona desert rap. Feminists insist on having representation for women, but they balk of the idea of men having representation for their specific problems. It's disgusting. I spent loads of time working with men and they're different from women. You cannot expect solutions to work for men. but well, they don't want the solutions to work. They want power. That's it. George Happ. GB News is not worth fighting for if they can't defend their presenters who even slightly oppose feminist monsters like Avon Santino. What Fox said isn't much different from Carl's I wouldn't even. It's a banal point... It's banal to point out hypocrisy since their misandrists don't care, but it's necessary to have the backbone to participate in the cultural war and GB News doesn't. Um, It's not that different, and that's why Lawrence shouldn't have said it, because, of course, Carl will not be allowed on the network unless he addresses that specifically because that's the dark cloud that hangs out. And that's,
1: what, six years old at this point, so that is something that's going to dog him forever. Yes, so I don't, again,
0: and I've spoken to Lawrence about this personally, it wasn't wise to say that, but at the same time, GB News should have just said, if you don't like what he said, don't watch his show. That's But they didn't. It's just just sad. James, to keep things short, I don't like her and her views, and I don't like him or how he words things. Yes, we need strong role models, but we also need ones with dignity. Fair enough assessment. Michael, I agree with Connor. It was unnecessary. But I guess this was a defensive reaction if he has friends that have been affected. It was not illegal, and we have all heard worse on other shows. R-A-P-G-B. It just goes to show how out of touch the whole TV MSM is, a real person with a real opinion, and the house is on fire. Well, it just shows how coordinated the attacks are. Grant, the reason they have to be opposed to a minister for men is because said minister would be forced to look into why there are still special bursaries for women when women are 60% of unigrants. A minister for men, if done properly, would spell the end of the feminist privilege and grift. Yeah, I think that's the tacit admission that they know this. Geordie Swordsman, since one actually bothered to turn up at a studio and one phoned in from her bedroom, I would bloody well hope that there was a pay disparity. <laughs> I mean that is also the point. It, like, you just put a little bit of effort in. But... Can
1: we highlight George Hap saying, "To hell with Piers Morgan, that feminist cook. His Me too destruction can't come soon enough. I hate Piers Morgan. He is a man with no soul." I will say, no
0: I don't, I don't, I don't wish to get too excessively personal. It's not needed, but when you encounter people in media they at least normally have the courtesy to be polite to you when you meet them, even if they are disingenuous and over time you realize they're grifters. Um, Piers was just a prick. He was just, <laughs> he, was just, he was just kind of rude. He didn't speak to you in the break. He just went, he went you're right, young man, and just looked dead ahead. He didn't give a shit about me. And as soon as he went on air, he decided to launch into the, you I totally agree with you. Doesn't, doesn't hang around, doesn't be personal. You're not required to do that. But In this business, people do buy from people. And it just shows that he doesn't really believe in
1: anything he says. Piers Morgan is the rear guard of the regime, as far as I, as far as I see. He, it, well, not even necessarily that. He will go against some of the things that he, is, he knows that is currently acceptable to rail against. But then he will defend to the death anything that he knows is outside of anybody's respectable frame of reference. Yeah, he, backed, he He backed BLM. And he supported
0: masking and vaccine mandates, and now he wants to act like some kind of anti. Then he
1: turned. Then he turns around. Has he even admitted since the vaccine mandates that he went too far with supporting oh, all that? No. Okay.
3: To be fair, he is one of the people that is consistent on and off camera because he seems like a bit of a an a hole. I'm trying to censor myself here, both on camera and off. So I'm not surprised.
0: Yeah. Well, this is this is why. I mean, you'll probably be able to speak to this, but um. People that are high in dark triad can be temporarily successful in various hierarchies, but they often have to hop from business to business because their shtick wears off after a while.
3: Well, people figure them out, don't they? Yeah, and
0: it's just a coincidence that Piers has had a bunch of different jobs at practically
1: every single media outlet and has always left, left under a cloud of controversy. That's all I'm saying. Let's go on to some of my written comments then. Justin B says, this push to rewrite history seems to have two objectives to me. First, to demoralize the native population and break our spirit. Not just that, I think Survive the Jive put it very well in one of his videos where he says it's supposed to disconnect you from your own understanding and own connection from your past. You're supposed to feel like you're floating in freefall without anything to tether you to a a history that you can call your own. A deracinated flower wilts and dies. Yeah. Second, to give black people and other people as well, but it seems very, very centered on sub-Saharan African blacks is what it seems like. It's to give them a greater grievance and an attachment to the land so that they are more likely to fight for it. it. Doesn't work. They don't really care all that much except for a few centerpiece ideologues who act as the forefront of the movement. They're the only ones that care for their own political reasons. Most of them know that they don't have any attachment to this place. Most of them know that they're only here for Gibbs from the welfare state. People pushing that seem to be setting up for a race war. I will sadly agree with you there. Andrew Narog is honestly egregious how happily these drill gangs operate did you hear about the bombing over in sweden recently i hadn't actually of any of either oh, of you I'm familiar? sorry no i hadn't heard about that the west needs to take a bukele situation or even a duterte situation don't know who that second one is but <laughs> bukele spicy yeah yeah uh, to these flagrant criminals no more clemency to these literal terrorists the bukele situation i've mentioned this before when i did a tweet that went quite um quite viral where Sadiq Khan said, London, we can't arrest ourselves out of this situation. I posted El Salvador and said, ooh, we can't get arrest ourselves out of this situation. Yeah, yes, you can. And I had a number of people pushing back saying, well, it's not the same. It's not the same because the terrorists and the gang members in, the, in El Salvador tattooed it on their face. And these retards post their locations on a map available publicly through Google, and you can go on Genius." And find what they, who their main enemy is. Ironic. And you can go go on YouTube and find music videos of them that have already been catalogued by the police. About 3,500 of these videos have been catalogued by the police. 34 of them appearing on ex BBC presenter Tim Westwood's channel, where they brag about the murders they commit. They're all with Snapchat maps as well. Yeah. It's very easy to track down these people. We know what they've done. We know where they are. We absolutely could go in in a Bukele-type situation and arrest every single one of them. I'm just going to drag it slightly to the bottom right.
0: If you notice, there's not much going on on the Kent border. Mm. It's almost like those are the majority non-diverse areas.
1: Yes. Perhaps. Ethelstan, carrying on, says, The law surrounding armed police is awful. They are held to, a norm, uh, to normal actus and men's uh, REA for murder, not accounting for the fact that if they are called out, it's generally down to circumstances requiring armed police uh, attention. If you're called out under those circumstances, you already have a heightened sense of danger and alertness that differs from the normal person in scenarios where they might argue self-defense or justifiable homicide. Omar Awad, I can only speak to American anecdotes, but from what I've heard, active military personnel tend to be less trigger happy than civilian police since the rules of engagement are so much stricter. Those experienced in armed conflict are also more likely to keep cool under fire. That's a good point. Thank you very much for letting us know about that. Face tape, when lefties complain about the black man being unarmed, their complaint is that it was unfair, as in the person should have had a 50-50 chance of killing the police officer <laughs> first like the Old West. That's not how it's supposed to be That's work. a very accurate framing, actually. Hmm. Yeah. Colin P. points out here, to be fair, bad as, cub, as background may have been, and I, I, uh, I don't think it has any direct bearing on his death. I agree, but it's important to know the context as they're trying to sell you this man as an aspiring architect and father-to-be to know that he was a career criminal who beat his pregnant fiance. Anyone who drives a vehicle directly at an armed officer after being repeatedly told to stop and get out of the car has only themselves to blame. I absolutely agree. Hopefully the jury will be made up of people sensible enough unless other damaging evidence comes to life to acquit the officer, and that's why I'm saying what needs to be done is a thorough investigation that looks into those anonymous accounts that were given by people in the early reporting. Last one, Stuart. Harry does not like
0: mushy peas. Harry, as I am also a northerner from Manchester, I revoke thee. That's fine. <laughs>
1: <It's been> denounced <laughs> Mushy peas. Are just, I don't like peas at all, and then to turn them mushy is disgusting. So no. You must
0: now live permanently within the M25 welcome
1: I live I'm from Mercia anyway people are, northerners are saying I'm not northern enough for them fine I'll just accept being a Mercian.
0: anywhere north of Luton is the north anyway at three o'clock with the gold tier zoom call again if you haven't signed up yet it's code sargon with an e use stripe not subscribe star and you'll get access to that for as little as two pound fifty for your first three months come and join it's me you Stelios and Rory correct I believe so That's yes it. yeah yeah Josh hates you all anyway what? have a nice weekend <laughs> rejoin us on monday from one o'clock until then take care and goodbye